The Rio Grande Valley is obviously a favorite place. Whether it's valley specialties or rarities, there's something to chase. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts, and anything we discuss that might be controversial, once you remember, there are own opinions, they might be different from yours. So there's uh, some news, but before we get to that, I want to talk about your news. What's my news? So we mentioned this, we kind of hit it in an episode uh, a couple months ago, but Eric was running for the mayor of Cannon Beach, the town that we live in. He was running to become the mayor, and I'm so proud of him for that. Um, And I know some people were curious as to the results of that, and unfortunately he did not win. Nope, I, out of... There's 1,200 registered voters, 900 or so, it was almost 900, um, actually voted, which is a spectacular turnout. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you're familiar with voter turnout uh, during a non-presidential election year, that's pretty good. Pretty darn good. Um, almost 900 out of 1,200 um, registered voters turned out. Um, I lost by about 32. Eric got 48% of the vote, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah, pretty, pretty good for, for a first try. So we'll, we'll try. I'll, I'll try to get on some commissions and see, see what happens Next uh, next round. So anyways, that's the result of that. And thank you all, <laughs> all to who uh, were interested in finding out what happened. Yeah. So, Eric, you wanted to mention a bird species that had been rediscovered. Yeah. So I think, I don't know if we actually shared it on Facebook, but it has been all over. I think we didn't share it because... Everybody else did. Every single person also shared it. So it was like, well, it's, I, I feel like everyone's seen it by now. But yeah. this black nape pheasant pigeon um, news, uh, rediscovery of a species that hasn't been kind of seen since initially described by um, by Western scientists. It's been like 140 years 100, 140 years. Um, this pheasant pigeon, it's a large beast of a pigeon, like these big big mondo dudes. Um, there's four species of pheasant, pheasant pigeons, um, and the... They found they've re- rediscovered to Western science this uh, this black naped pheasant pigeon that's uh, pretty darn cool. Found that's it, found interesting. It by, yeah, they they whole, whole crew went out there to go look for it specifically to go look for this grouping of birds that they refer to as uh, lost birds, birds that haven't been seen in over a hundred years. Hmm. Um, so it's they w- went out specifically targeting this black maned pheasant pigeon, and they found it. They they found it with the help of all the the local uh, the indigenous tribes that um, were they're out there looking for stuff. They're hunting. They're living out in the in in the far reaches of the of the habitat, and sure. they 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 were like oh yeah we we know that bird, <laughs> and so then they 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 brought the scientist basically brought the scientist right to him and they didn't they didn't see him right there they put some trail cams up and they got some footage of it but. The, the the locals were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's familiar. We, we know the call. We know the bird. Yeah, that's right up here. Go up on the top of this ridge. We'll set up some cameras. You'll see it. That's amazing. They're like, just get outside and you'll see it. <laughs> just know what we know and you'll see it. Gosh. So then some really sad news that we have to share. So there was a death that was very hard-hitting to us and many members in the birding community in the last couple weeks. Uh, Mary Gustafson, who was a Rio Grande Valley birder, but touched, you know, people around the country, around the world. Around the world, yeah. She had, yeah, so many friends. Um, she was an avid birder, a researcher, consultant, supporter, and, you know, just a, a friend to so many. And we're just so saddened by um, her death. 
Yeah, so Mary was extremely formative for us in our early birding years. We, mo- we moved down the Rio Grande Valley. We'd barely, we, we, we'd been birding for a couple of years, but we had just kind of, just barely kind of scratched the surface of what the birding community has. Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and and she she welcomed welcomed us with open arms like hey this is what this is what all the birders are doing this is this is how we're doing it this is how we're how you bird this is the ethics this is just really kind of it was like the closest thing to a mentor for, yeah for either one of us and she is so we, we did that we we learned so much from her while we were down there and then we left the valley moved up to the Houston area and then she invited us both down to guide and she is she's she's the reason that we guide. And she's really kind of the reason we started the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, which we hadn't really come to terms with until after we um, heard the news of her death and we started thinking about our relationship with her and everything. But um, Mary provided us with a lot of opportunities. And, you know, we're super grateful to her for all that she's done for us. Um, had we not had those opportunities, I don't think we'd be where we are today. And we're definitely going to miss her. Uh, we did interview her for an episode. It was in season one. It's episode 12. So, uh, we just listened to it earlier and I encourage you to go back and listen to it because you can see how passionate she was about birding, about the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, which we'll tell you about in a little bit after we clean ourselves up (laughs) (laughs) and, um, just birding in general. So, you know, she she did a lot for so many people. She opened up doors to try to encourage uh, participation from minority uh, birders as well as women. And um, she just really touched a lot of people in the community. And we are really grateful that in April we were able to spend some time with her during Spring Chirp Birding Festival. And, you know, we've we've known her for almost 10 years at this point. Um, but we'll definitely miss her. So with that, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on to the rest of the episode. We got, uh, Hannah had an episode come out last week. Uh, Women Birders Happy Hour. You interviewed Kareem Scott. Yes. What'd you, what'd you talk to her about? Well, I talked to her about the same thing I usually talk to everybody about, about <laughs> being as, a woman birder. That sounded like, uh, um, pinky in the brain. <laughs> same thing we talk about every week. <laughs> um, anyways, it was so much fun to talk to her. Um, and learn more about what it is to be like a you know Franco Ontarian because there's this whole sect of people in Canada that are um, French speaking, and she grew up in that. The French Canadians. Yes, but right. I mean I don't know any French Canadians besides her, so it was That's just, true. It was really interesting to talk to her about that and about birding, um, and then her drink for that episode is a Canada J. So mm. check it out anywhere you listen to podcasts. The Camp Robber. So we are. I think, yeah, right when you guys are listening to this, we are en route to North Shore Birding Festival. Um, first uh, first week in December. Um, San Diego Bird Festival will be going to that real soon in February. Um, Galveston Featherfest in April and Birdiest Festival in America down in Corpus Christi right after Featherfest. Yeah. So a couple, couple weeks in Texas. 
in April, so looking forward to that. Looking and, forward to all these festivals. And in our last episode, I uh, kind of forced our my mom's hand about <laughs> yes. letting us go to Global Bird Fair. I have not seen the approved re- um, vacation request yet. I, <laughs> neither have I. But I did uh, book a hotel, so uh, well, hotels are going you're... fast in uh, Rutland. <laughs> is, it, so... is this another trying to force her hand again? Like, no, well, no, there's no. a hotel booked, <laughs> so you better get that approval back. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> so if you plan on going to Global Bird Fair, I don't know if the hotels are like not booking yet or something but i panicked and booked something so just no they, they were booking it, it was that we looked at the place we stayed last year and it's already full or, I, which really was it, kind it, of, it wasn't full and then it was full which and is so they're they're filling up really kind of upsetting to me like i really want to stay there again <laughs> or or the other place that was falcon falcon's arms the, or the falcon oh the the finch's arms finch's arms there we I, go. The, yeah, the other was, one yeah i was hoping to book at that and then it was full no, the next day it's all I, full so i didn't jump on it yeah we're they're running out of, run out of, there, there are some big chain hotels that are in the area that are, this still have some availability. Yeah. Lots of, lots of, I'm sure lots of availability. And more expensive but, hotels too. Yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're going for like the little small places. Yeah. Anyways, um, so normally this is the episode that you guys would get the Bird Nerd giveaway, but because we have so many episodes um, in December, um, just because of the way that things line up, this is coming out on the 1st, and so it's three, three full episodes. We will announce what the... What the giveaway is um, in our next episode, not this episode. So you guys will have to kind of wait for that. One, one episode of a break of not having to worry about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so uh, back to our favorite place, the Rio Grande Valley. Yes, this is fourth episode about the Rio Grande Valley, I believe. <laughs> well, um, I mean, fourth, fourth year season fourth of season. talking about it. Fourth season of talking about the Rio Grande Valley Burning Festival. We talked about it in April at the Spring Trip. I guess that's true, yeah. So we don't need to go into super heavy detail about specific spots or anything like that in this episode, but um, we went back. We were there. Um, we did something slightly different than we normally do this year. And um, that's something I really like about the Rio Grande Valley Burning Festival. And Mary, of course, who we mentioned a little bit ago, um, she was the field trip coordinator yeah. for the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. And she did an amazing job at making sure we didn't do the same thing every single year, which was just really cool. Oh, I was making sure people cycled, making sure people were familiar with as many sites as possible so you could be a more beneficial guide in the future for another festival or for yourself or for whatever you're going to do down there. Yeah. So like if you listen to our Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival episodes before, you'll notice that we don't go to the same place every single year. And that's something that I really appreciate appreciate about, you know, that festival and about the way that Mary sets it up. And so this year was a little bit different. We didn't go to the same place every day, but we did do new beginner birding trips every day, which I had burning, a ton burning of fun. Burning for on. new birders. I had a ton of fun on. I feel yeah. like I learned a lot about how to help beginner birders. Well, and, and there, there was one day that I thought was especially beneficial for me. There was um, a, a new birder who's, he was new to birding. And he was colorblind. Yeah. And so it was like we're, we were out there at South Padre Island and spending a lot of time looking at reddish egret, tricolored heron, great egret, great blue heron, and trying to describe to him structural differences between these birds. So even if you can't see the size, like structural differences between them so that even him who could very and reddish egret too it was very difficult for him to just to distinguish a great egret from a reddish egret because the the tones just the coloration that purple neck and then the blue body like it just it or they just didn't quite separate enough for him to be able to see a difference so he's like well that's the the great egret and that they look they look so similar like if it's in the shadows they look the same yeah 
So it was try, trying to work on how, how do you tell the difference between these birds for somebody that can't see any of these differences that we normally think of to look at between these birds. So it was really interesting. Well, and with that, normally when we go on these uh, field trips with the Rio Grande Valley Burning Festival, we're on buses that have like, you know, 35 to 50 people, yeah. depending on the trip and location. And with four guides, you know, that means 10 people per guide. And so you don't always get the attention, you know, that I want to be able to give to someone. And so with this trip, we had a maximum of like eight people every day for two of us. Mm -hmm. So we were able to um, really get to know people a lot better. And, you know, it was easier for us to figure out how to help them. Yeah. Well, and, and like what you're saying, it's not, it's not that Rio Grande Valley all has nothing but 40 person, no, 50 no, no. person van yeah, of course. buses. It's, there's, there's like six buses total that kind of go, go each day. And then there's an additional like 10 more trips yeah. or 15 more trips or something like that that go each day. So we just always usually ended up on at least one per week of doing one of those big buses. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes two per week, but it's, it's a, it's a whole different atmosphere when you've got the large group, when you're going to see like someplace like Benson and you've got like this big, huge bus going to Benson and you're going to be able to split up into multiple people, upper yeah. valley, same, same thing. So it's, it's a different, different level of, ex or a different type of experience. But yeah. So, um, we, we did the same, same ish trip to a different location each day, except for Saturday. We did, we got to do a big day again. Yeah. So that was, that was exciting. Race around the whole valley as much as we possibly can to see as many birds as we possibly can. In um, a mini big day. <laughs> uh, so our first day, we started off at Frontera and Valley Nature Center for the, mm -hmm. the beginning birder day. And, you know, we we arrived the night before, like at four o'clock in the evening. So it wasn't like great timing to be able to like go see any birds or anything. We had, you know, stuff we needed to Sun do. Sunset was 4.40, 5 o'clock, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was the, the kickoff party that we needed to go yeah. to. In advance, um, so we weren't able you, you, to. You said needed to go to like it's a negative, like it's free food, yeah, some drinks, know. hanging out with people. It's, it's, it's a rough needed to go to. Anyway, <laughs> so we couldn't race off and go birding first off, um, and so I, I feel like I always need like a day or two to remember the valley birds and just like soak it all in, you know. And so that's Especially why it's called, refer to them as golden fronted woodpeckers instead of uh, the red belly, their northern cousins, the red belly. Yeah. So. Um, that was what was great about Frontera and Valley Nature Center is I feel like those sites, those are both really smaller sites. And so you're concentrated into these trails and it gave us the opportunity to really, you know, see those species up close and, mm -hmm. you know, refamiliarize ourselves with some of these birds. Um, we started off at Frontera Nature Center which the gate hadn't opened yet, so we were kind of scrambling about, like... Got there a little bit early. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of scrambling about, like, oh, let's look at birds in the driveway, which ended up being great because we had green jays, we had the uh, golden-fronted woodpeckers mm -hmm. right there. We also had a handful of green parakeets fly over, so that was really cool to get that. In oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and these the birding for new birders was great because a lot of the people that were on our trips... Not everyone, but a bunch of them were like, this is like the first time they've ever been on a bird trip. This is the first time they've ever birded with a group of people. So a, a couple of people didn't have binoculars. Um, at least one person each day didn't have binoculars. And it was kind of like right at that level of they're really interested in birds. Enough so to go on a trip like this, but they haven't spent enough time in the field and they don't really really know what they're what they're looking at not not everyone did so it was really nice to get somebody on a golden front woodpecker and they're like well what kind of bird is that it's a woodpecker okay let's let's talk about why it's a woodpecker and what makes it a woodpecker and and what what it's doing up on the top of that that power pole yeah 
And it was cool at Val- at Frontera because they have um they have a big vulture flock. Oh yeah. And we <laughs> were like going over this boardwalk and there was this huge flock of vultures that were taking off and it was sunny and beautiful and like not a huge wind or anything like that and no, they but were it had just good smell. They <laughs> they were just kind of <laughs> swirling above us and it was just I don't know, kind of uh, like the valley welcoming us back <laughs> with the smell. With the smell, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we had we had some good stuff. We we had a couple migrants hanging around Nashville, Nashville warbler, Wilson's warbler, um, but not not super crazy birdie. It was a pretty it was a pretty warm morning, but it was it was really good for valley specialties: the um, plain chachalacas, the gold crown woodpeckers, the ladderbacks, the parakeets, green great kiskadees, green jays, all like the things that you go to the valley for. Yeah. So. It was it was good. I I enjoyed it. I, I like I like going to Frontera. It's a nice small like intimate little little uh, hot spot. From there, we went over to the Valley Nature Center, which is another really nice site. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty small itself. Uh, but there we were kind of chasing around hummingbirds. Uh, because the buff-bellied hummingbirds were out, but they weren't really like easy to find. We kept hearing them, and they were just like just well. There there was also the really good ladderback that hung out over the trail for us yeah. that everybody got a really good look at a nice a nice female that was right there above the trail and then we went down the trail a little ways further and then a male just just pop popping super close hammering on a on a stick right next to our, our faces like five feet away it's pretty cool so um so it, it was it was all, all in all we had, a, we had a great day out there um had some had some mig- a couple migrants a couple lots of valley specialties so that was that was great for everyone to see um, so we fin- finished that day of, of guiding and stuff and we had parrots that, that evening. Yeah. So we guided the parrot par- trip. Parrots are always fun. <laughs> parrots are always stressful too. Cause that, that was the first day of the festival. So yeah. the first day of the festival is always like, where are they going to be? Yeah. It's usually in, in, in the past, it usually doesn't take as long as it did this year, this year, but usually the first day is the slowest day to find them because it's everyone getting familiar with. What neighborhood are the parakeets hanging out in, and what neighborhood or what section of the neighborhood are the parrots hanging out in? Yeah. Um, by day two, three, four, they we we've we found them, and it's easy for us to kind of go and then just kind of circle in a circle around that neighborhood until they show up. But day one was ooh, that was stressful. I, I was know. like, where where we are not going to find these guys? Where are they? They're usually here. They're usually there. Well, we got them. We got all 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 the, all the expected species. The, the green parakeets got them at the um, in the parking lots that we usually find it, parakeets. It in. took us forty five minutes to find them, though. Oh, it I was know. so frustrating, and like we circled town like three times <laughs> to be able to find them. Oh yeah, and then finally got that text of where they're at. Yeah. So what is it's four to six. Yeah. And I started my checklist at five oh one. So. You didn't see him until five. Oh, I one. didn't see him until five oh one, before we saw green parakeets. So it's almost a full hour of so driving. A lot of the same neighborhoods, and the green parakeets are found in the parking lots. So, not not ideal habitat, and not not as much fun to drive around looking for birds when it's driving through parking lots. Not as not as fun as if you're driving through a forest. But, but we were doing what we could with what we had. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was good. And then we got we got the the parrots, uh, red crown parrots, lilac crown parrot, red lord parrot. So lots of lots of good parrots. Um, only I, I think we only had like two red lord and one lilac crown that yeah. night. But it was well. And we also had the parrot that didn't have a beak. The parrot that didn't have a beak, and then we also had that yellow, potentially yellow-headed hybrid of some sort. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. So a, a lot of these parrots, the red crown parrots are the green parakeets, and the red crown parrots are both 
generally thought of as they're here and they're ABA countable sort of birds. Yeah. Um, the lilac crown and the red lord are not. They're not. Nat- they're not natively from an area that would have contiguous habitat to get to here without anthropomorphic means. So people helped these birds get here, release pet trade, stuff like that. The red crown parrots, um, historically this would be within their range, and same with the green parakeets. So the the other ones, though, they're they're cool to look at, and they're interesting, but they're not native. They're not... They're they're potentially released or second, third, fourth generation after released. Yeah. So the next day was very exciting because it was the day that we get to go back to my old stompy grounds. Hannah's homecoming. uh, Benson (laughs) Rio Grande Valley State Park and do beginner birding there. Um, I was very excited because as we were driving down um, the the Benson Palm Road Mm -hmm. drive to go down there, there was a whole group of parakeets. Uh, yeah. right at the highway. So, you know, it was really good to get folks on parakeets, like, first thing. Because, as we mentioned, you know, the day before with the parrot vans, it can be kind of hard to get parakeets. I mean, we usually end up getting them, but it can be tough. So, it's And this, fun. Was, this was them on trees in somebody's yard instead, yeah. of, uh, instead of driving through, like, a Lowe's parking lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then we, we got down to Benson. I just, I love going there. Uh, it is just... A wonderful place to go birding at and it's like going back home um they had the feeder set up near the the nature or uh, the visitor center mm-hmm. the store and those were hopping they had green jays and chachalacas and inca doves and i felt bad dragging everybody away from there to go look for hummingbirds <laughs> because it was so busy at those hummingbird feeders or those bird feeders oh yeah yeah and there there was there was all sorts of all sorts of birds at the first feeders, all sorts of birds at the second feeders. It was... Well, the Orioles were coming and the, in at the first feeders, oh, and yeah. it's like, okay, well, we'll just stay here the rest of the day, <laughs> because this is where all the birds are at. Yeah. Well, and our, our group was like, they were all gung-ho. They wanted to walk all the way through. Yeah. And it was like, uh, we're, we're going to waste a lot of time if we walk the whole time. Let's <laughs> let's drive a little bit. Let's let's, let's get it, let's get in the in the vehicle. We'll, we'll, we'll roll a little bit. But we, we got all the way up to the Risaka. Um, we had... Well, the nature center, oh, the nature, I mean, yeah, it was just yeah. amazing. I, I think we've probably spent like 45 minutes there. Oh, yeah. And everybody got to see all the birds, which I was getting really worried about the white-tipped doves because white-tipped doves are probably one of the more shy species at the feeders um, at in the Rio Grande Valley. And so they'll kind of hang out in the back, but then they'll wait until... I don't know, it's been safe for like 45 <laughs> minutes or something and then come out for like a second and then go back in. And it, it was really hard get, trying to get people on the white tip doves because they're in the back, you know, they're behind all the they're, sticks. They're dupa dupa duping in the back. They are, yeah. And I mean, it's it's easy, you know, to to tell people it's like, it's in the back of the bushes. But then when it's dupa dupa duping behind this bush, then they're looking at the other bush yeah. and... So that was a little frustrating, but I think everybody got on it, which was good. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the Green Jays and the Woodpeckers were all putting on a show, too. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, um, we, we, we got everyone on pretty much everything there. I think um, only a couple people saw the hummingbirds that were there. But um, we moved on, went, went back to the um, kind of the normal route that we go back to the Kingfisher Overlook. Got to um, got everyone on Ring Kingfisher. Ring Kingfisher yeah. perched and then flying. It was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. No other kingfishers. No other kingfishers. Normally, normally it's a three kingfisher overlook. Yeah. But I thought I saw a green for a minute, but uh, I don't. The 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 um, group before us apparently had a, had a green there. Too, oh, did so. they? I oh, thought well. I had the just green, just ringed, ringed. 
It's a hybrid. It's, it's a, a new hybrid. hybrid. Oh my gosh, it's it's medium size instead of giant or tiny. <laughs> so it's belted. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so we 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 had, we had a good time there. We um, loaded everyone up and headed up to the Hawk Tower. Yeah. It was nice and hot. Nice and nice and hot stagnant air. It was nice up Until at the top to the of the tower. tower. Yeah. It was. And we were, windy we were up upwards there. of like ninety some degrees or something while while we were down, and then we get up to the tower and it was nice and breezy. It's like, huh. I, I was I was anticipating like this is this is a location that it's like. No shade. Staying in the sun, <laughs> yeah. just beating down. But then it was windy above the trees, so I was like, oh, thank goodness. So I was like, oh, we could we could hang out here for as long as we want. We we ran out of time, so we had to skadoodle back to the um, back to the nature center to go to the bathroom before heading heading back to the be done with the be done with the trip. Yeah, but you know, it's just it's so fun going to Benson. It's getting drier and drier though. The Rosaka out at the Hawk Tower, they didn't have water in it this year. Uh, but they have had water in it previously, so mm-hmm. all the vegetation is really tall. But you're not getting things like the least grieve out there, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's always a good park to go to and fun to visit and fun to see. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Um, and we did have a, a listener on that trip that day. Uh, so that was very fun to have um, a listener join us for for a trip. Yeah. And I think we actually had a listener of our podcast on every single trip. I think on every single day, yeah. So shout out to you all. Yes. <laughs> that was very Anyone cool. that came birding with us, thanks for coming birding. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, so we finished up at Benson that day. And then there, I don't know if you'll remember from last year's episodes about the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, but there was a bird that we chased at UT RGV. Yes. University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, Brownsville, Mm -hmm. that we dipped on last year. And so we went back to to set the score straight. Yeah. So so Nathan... Even the score. Nathan uh, um, Pipelow, um, he wrote the book on bird calls, wrote both books on bird calls uh, for North America. Uh, he, He found it. Um, last year during the festival, it was super vocal last year. He got, he got some recordings. He was like, Oh, this is awesome. We showed up within an hour or so. Yeah. Nothing silent, no bird around. We, we went around and we spent a couple hours at the, at the, um, place, nothing. Nobody refound it for like two more days after that. And then the day we were flying out, boom, somebody, somebody found it. And then it's been hanging out and ever then since. It's been seen every single day since basically all the, all the way since, since last festival, so we get there and we're like, all right, after, after we're done Benson, we've got some time this afternoon. We're going down. We're going to race down to UTRGV and we're going to find this thing. But the funny thing was that we were sitting at lunch with some of our friends and, you know, the, the reports were coming in on WhatsApp about social flycatchers being seen. And we were like, okay, we're going to go chase that. And then some of our friends were like, oh, there's a black-throated blue warbler. And Are you going to go chase that? And I'm like, nah, nah, we'll go look for the social flycatcher. And I didn't even look at where the black-throated oh, really? blue was. And so I was just like waving it off thinking like it's, I don't know, somewhere else in the valley. And I it didn't even right there. I didn't even realize it was right oh, there. I, I, I didn't know you didn't realize it. Yeah. So we, a couple other John Dunn and stuff, they were like, "Oh, we're, I'm going to go find this black throated blue. I'm so excited about that." And it's like, "Oh, I'll get the social line down there." And we were like, "Oh, we're 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 after the social." Yeah. Like that's it's an ABA bird for us. We we have we we saw black throated blue when we went to um the Indiana. Indiana. Um, Indiana Bird Festival um, last two years ago. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, well, I mean, if we if we happen upon it, it's fine. Which we did. We we went down. We kind of wandered around. It was hot, and it was it was before the cold front came in. So it was like, 
hot and uncomfortable and we're out and sweaty. And <laughs> well, and we had something to do that evening. And so we were oh, yeah. like trying to give ourselves a deadline. Of oh, yeah. Like, it was okay. like 3.45 or 4 o'clock or whatever it was. Yeah. Was <laughs> it was like, okay, we have to leave here by 4 o'clock. That's the, that's the maximum. Mm-hmm. And so like time was slowly approaching to that. And we were at the site where it had been seen in that morning. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to like think about, you know, like habitat and like species ecology and all this stuff. And, you know, like that picture of the person putting all the math equations together, like trying to figure it out. And like people were saying that it was being seen with kingbirds and with kiskadees. And so I was just like listening for all of those species to, to call. And then, you know, we wandered down the the main trail that goes past the Rosaka and mm-hmm. just not seeing anything. And then all of a sudden somebody was like, black-throated blue warbler. And I was like, what? Yeah, so we, we, we got, a, got a pretty good look at the black-throated blue warbler. And, um, and then, it, then it went off fly-catching, taking off, doing its thing. Or not fly-catching, gleaning. Yeah. Um, do, doing its thing. So I was like, okay, back to the social. We need to find this thing. So social fly-catchers, they, in their regular range, down in Mexico and the rest of Central America, they, um, they hang out. They're social. They hang out yeah. with tropical kingbirds. They hang out with kiskadees, um, greater and lesser kiskadees. They are just kind of with other flycatchers. So this social flycatcher probably has no idea that it's lost. Yeah. Because it's at a Rosaka. It's surrounded by um, sable and Washingtonia palms. There's just kind of generally Central American tr- sub- subtropical plants all around this Rosaka. And birds that it's familiar with. And it's birds with. that it's familiar with. So it probably has no idea that it's a couple hundred miles out of range. And yeah. That it, and it shouldn't. That it's, it, even though it keeps calling, it's not going to find a mate. Because it's probably like, oh, I'm just, nobody likes me or, or something. I don't know. But this this bird, we, we search and search and search. And then all of a sudden, it we have a tropical flies in. And we're like watching it like, oh, tropical. All right. And then this bird kind of dive bombs the tropical out of nowhere. And, I totally wrote it off. And, I was like Kiskadi. Oh, no, you were, you were like Kiskadi. Because it, it looks very similar to Kiskadi, but a much smaller bill. Um Hannah started walking away, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, uh, Hannah? Let's, come here, come here, Hannah, Hannah. I'm like, waving a hand, and she comes back, and I'm like, uh, I think this is it. But then I, but then a bunch of other people, like, we were wearing our red hats, and so I was like, I don't want to say it out loud too much, because, like, there was, like, probably, like, seven, eight other birders that yeah. were just, like, participants from the festival or people that were there, and they were, because we were wearing our red hats still from the day, they were, like, looking at us, like, you guys know what you're talking about, and it's like, because I, I was so scared, like, I don't want to say it. And then um, and then John Dunn, who had come down looking for the um, Black Throat of Blue, and uh, Willie, they, they walked up and they were like, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was, like, so afraid to say something to them, too. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be wrong. I see. I was looking. I'm, 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 I'm telling myself in my mind this is a social, but it's probably a kiskity. And I've, I've just convinced myself that it's I a social. I was, like, flipping back in between the pictures of the social and the, the kiskity. And I was like, if they're not standing right next to each other. <laughs> it, they're, they're, it's pretty blatantly it is, obvious. It it's, is. Their, their bill is, like, blatantly obvious. And, just, and, then it's, and then it started singing or Calling. calling. So I was like, okay, now this is, there's no doubt whatsoever. Not even a glimmer of a doubt about this bird. But it was still like, before it was singing or calling, it was like, I don't know. Have <laughs> I have I just convinced myself that that's a little tiny bill? I don't know. But then they said it and it's like, oh, thank goodness. All right, we're good. All right. So got, got good looks at that guy. Yeah. But 
it had to be limited. We had to we had to head back. We had another tour that night. We were doing Resaca de, de la Palma. Yeah, there was a night tour yeah. at Resaca de la Palma, and we had signed up to do that because we love doing night tours. Um, and so and, we and hashtag no sleep club. Why why <laughs> why are we going to go down to the valley if we're not going to if we're going to sleep? Be busy every single minute of the whole time. Yeah. So we hustled and uh, got our tr- vans going for the next trip. Headed out with a van full of people each to Resaca de la Palma State Park, um, which is, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes or so from like that, yeah. the 30, 30 conference center. So, yeah. And got there, and you flushed a Kamaparaki. I did. My van, me, and one other person in the van saw it. That's all? That's it, I think. Yeah, because nobody was paying attention. Like, we were, we were, they, were, they were all like, so what are we doing tonight? They're all talking amongst themselves and ha- having a good chat. And then me and the person directly behind me saw... Whoop, <laughs> And it just, it flushed up and then it came back across, it came back across twice in front of us, which I was, while I was surprised nobody, none of the other fans saw it. I was like, you guys are right behind me. Well, and we had done night tours um, with the, rear, the birding festival before. We did one a couple years ago where we went to somebody's private property mm-hmm. and they had like wine and charcuterie set out. And then everybody was just looking at the stars. Yeah. And um, Lancey and Sky, who we interviewed about the binoculars, they brought out telescopes. And so they had those available for everybody. And so this one was a little bit different than that because we had a park ranger who was leading night tour, night walks. Um, they have a tram at Resaca de la Palma and mm-hmm. they led van tours or tram tours. And then, uh, they had the stargazing stuff available too. Yeah. And then there was supposed to be an insect guy that, uh, there was some sort of miscommunication. He didn't make it. But then we also ended up doing kind of an impromptu, let's, let's do a parking lot walk and see yeah. what we can find in the parking lot. So uh, us and, uh, Jeff Bouton, um, took whoever was, not currently engaged in other activities and kind of wandered the parking lot looking for uh, things like scorpions and armadillos and... Which we found both of. Which we found both of those. I was very proud because the park ranger was like, you probably won't find a scorpion here. They're further into the park, you know, further than we can walk. And I was like, challenge accepted. (laughs) And I had a black light. um, We brought a black light specifically to do this. (laughs) Yeah, and I found a scorpion. So I was very excited about that. So so those those not familiar. I think we may have mentioned at least once, but um, scorpions light up in black lights. Yeah. Like if you, it's something to do with like phosphorus in in their exoskeleton that reacts with the UV light. So you can find them and it doesn't generally doesn't disturb the scorpion. So if you shine it and you can see the bright green, you're like, Oh, there it is. There's a scorpion. And you can pretty much get everybody on the group to come and look at it. Super cool. And they won't move. They'll just sit there. As soon as you turn a white light on though, they take off running and they'll go, they'll go hide underneath something. But the UV doesn't bother them. They just, they'll sit there. I think they either, they can't see it or it's just not too bright or, or whatever it is. The scorpion just sits there. And so you you can get pic- you can get people to take pictures of it. It's it's a super cool thing. And the scorpions that they have in the Rio Grande Valley are striped bark scorpions. They're yes. like what two three inches. I think two inches long. at the most. They're little tiny guys. Yeah, and they they like to um, hide in the mesquite uh, bark. Yeah, so the deep they, furrows of the mesquite. They blend in really well with that, um, and they are venomous and so you have to be careful like don't handle them i'm not suggesting anybody handle them at all um but they are (laughs) venomous and it's supposed to be like a bee sting it's i think it's a similar toxin to a bee sting so it's for somebody that's not reactive to bee string stings not like heavily reactive it's about the same as that if you're allergic to bee stings you're probably going to have an extra reaction to a scorpion just don't pick one up on purpose yeah but they're they're not they're not like scary or it's not like a um like some sort of like crazy like 
tropical, like, this thing is going to kill me and I'm going to be dead in minutes sort of yeah. scorpion. It's just a scorpion living its life. They're cute. Yeah. Little guys. Um, but Jeff, when we went out with him, man, he is, like, the champion, like, owl caller. Yeah, he, he's, so he's a, he's a Koa, Koa sales. Yeah. Um, he, he sells uh, Koa scopes and binoculars and all, all, all that stuff. Travels around to different festivals. And um, we, we see him every year in the Rio Grande Valley. And he is, like Hannah said, the champion um, Eastern Screech Owl. I don't know like, how he does it. There's, I've, I've heard other people that are probably on the same same level as him, but it's just amazing. It's impressive. It's like if you like you if you're really familiar with the calls, you can kind of hear like okay, that's not a that's not an owl. Yeah. But if you're not like intimately familiar with Screech Owl calls, as soon as as soon as he goes off, it sounds like playback, <laughs> and it's like. Which playback is is illegal in um, Texas State Texas Parks. Sta- Texas State Parks, so you can't use playback. But if you you're allowed to pish and you're allowed to whistle, you're allowed you're allowed to make your own noises. And somebody that uh, that can basically be playback on their own is is spectacular at, yeah. at that. Which um, it's he, he he does it pretty pretty well um, ethically. Like it's not like just constantly calling and calling and calling like some some things. You just do it a couple times. As soon as he starts responding, he's done. You you've now garnered the interest of this bird it'll it'll call it'll fly around it'll, it'll look for a little bit and then we'll go back and live its life yeah so that was it, it was nice we got most almost everybody on an eastern screech owl i, th- I think almost the entire trip ended up yeah as, as people kind of filtered in and be like oh we, we saw it over here and we shine the light up there for for a few seconds and boom it's just sitting there in the branches looking at us like huh <laughs> So pretty, pretty darn cool. Yeah. And that was a fun uh, evening thing. It was a little bit different than something we normally do. And, you know, we got to see owls. That's always yeah. a good day. Well, yeah. And, and also Lancey and Sky had their stuff set up. They had, they had the, 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 other, the other things. Mars or Jupiter? Both. Jupiter. Oh, both. Okay. Yeah. yeah so then uh, the next morning, you know, we got up for another beginner birder uh, walk. And this day we were at Estero, which I call the gem of the Rio Grande Valley. <laughs> Do you call it that, or is that just what it's called? Or? I don't know. I'm taking oh. credit for it. Okay. So Estero, we um, we go to Estero every year. Yeah. Um, in some fat, in some way or another, we're going to Estero, even if we just go on our own. Great, great state park. Um, I think it's got the largest number of species for a state park in the valley. I'm maybe? not gonna. I'm not gonna try to back know. that up. I'm not gonna back that up either. To, just ignore that I said that. So it's it's really good. Um, you you can go there in the morning if you spend if you spend a full day there you can get a hundred species. Yeah. Like if you if you really work at it. If you beat it, the bushes. If you beat the bushes. If you spend the whole day there, you you can get a pretty significant list. Which we did not spend that long there. We spent um, a morning field trip there. Whatever that is, four hours. Four almost five hours. Yeah. So it's not not like it's a huge crazy amount of time. But Ended up with forty nine species yeah. though. Um, almost, almost fifty species for just a couple a couple hours. And you know the one of the the key things is, is the black bellied whistling duck population there. Some days you <laughs> go there. It's fun, it's fun to monitor that. Yeah, some days you go there. It's zero. Some days you go there. It's three thousand. This time we went. It was around four hundred and fifty. Yeah. So it's it's always fun to like kind of keep track of how many black bellied whistling ducks are there this year. Because because we're seeing it the first week in November every year, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of nice to kind of compare that year to year. Well, and the great thing about birding there for the beginner birder walks that we were going on the new birder is that you know all the ducks are so close when you stand at the the deck 
that yeah. it's so easy to just get people on like some of these species. And like there was a Wilson snipe that was right next to the yeah. deck. So you can you could see them really clearly right in front of you and, you know, talk about why this bird is this bird versus some other bird. Yeah, like t- talk about like, okay, well, you have a northern shoveler and then you have a coot and you have a green winged teal and a blue winged teal. And you could talk about the differences between each of these. You can you can kind of do the um, the imp- the um, I, I think it's a whole school of thought or a training method for duck identification with. Just using the contrast. Yeah. So you don't have to see the colors. You just have the contrast. From light, dark, light. Dark, light, dark, dark, that stuff. And just like, okay, let's talk about every possible way to identify these six ducks from each other. And you get them in really good light, really closely. So pretty cool. But, you know, standard Estero Day, we had the yeah. common Paraki that was right there next to the trail. Both night herons. Yeah, both night herons. A couple kingfishers. We, you know, the um, canal was really hopping with shorebirds and things. Yeah. Uh, the tropical zone, which used to be an old campground, that was kind of quiet that day that we went, but you know, that always is kind of a crapshoot. Oh yeah. Yeah. So generally a good day at Estero. It was, um, nice, nice and birdie has saw, saw all of our target species plus, plus some. Um, and then we did, uh, we decided, you know, we were done with, finished our trip, got back, dropped everyone off, had our lunch. And decided, you know what, we have to, the next day was going to be our, our big van day. So we were like, let's go do a little bit of scouting because we need to try to squeeze squeeze scouting in where we can. So we headed up to the San Benito wetlands, which last year, the the year before, um, somebody found a fork-tailed flycatcher during the festival, yeah, right before it, the festival, somewhere near then, and we we ended up going out and seeing it, and it was it was great looks at it then. And so it was like, oh, well, let's go back up to this this place that is being seen. And interestingly enough, this is a location that when we were there last year was, it's a wetland. It's a, um, it's it's, a sewage treatment. It's a sewage treatment plant, but it has a eBird hotspot for the San Benito wetlands. And it kind of has an area that's almost developed. There was funding at one point to open this place up for birders, open this place up for some interpretation and some recreation. And then the funding, well, the funding they, like dried up. No, it. they like did it, and then they used the funding. It was like they got the grant funding, mm-hmm. you know, whatever five, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, they put in a bunch of it. signs and did a bunch of like upgrades. But then they didn't. Nobody pursued it afterwards. Oh, okay. So it was like right. a project that happened, but then nobody continued to champion it on. Yeah. And so when we went there last year, it was all overgrown. There was like you, you could know, s- you could see those signs where like there's back there, there's a yeah. sign, there's another sign over there, and there's some benches, but everything is overgrown and is locked down because they don't have funding for staffing it. They yeah. don't have any kind of maintenance budget, that sort of thing. So it was like. Oh well, I mean, we can stand outside. It looks like it's a it's a good idea and thought this, yeah. this this location, but can't really get to anything. But the contrast between last year and this year was stark. It, it was incredible. Yeah. So the um, the I think it was the Master Naturalist chapter. I think it was maybe Acus, the um, Arroyo Colorado Audubon Society. Oh, okay, all right. Or you know, it, it was somebody in the Rio Grande Valley. It, it was, it was they, one. Of, there's there's so many nonprofits that work so hard on conservation and education and, and interpretation down there. The, well, and they championed it to the San Benito um, city. Yeah. And they showed them, you know, look at all the birders that are coming to the site because of this one bird, the fork-tailed flycatcher, that's being seen here. Mm-hmm. And so this year, I think, was kind of a trial year 
that, you know, they went through, they mowed it all. It was looking really good. They opened up access so we could go. Uh, gates were unlocked. They you had could, a they, parking lot. Yeah, there, there was like a temporary parking lot built with a hand, like a little bit of gravel, a couple yards of gravel they tossed in. Had some porta potties and they were like, all right, you do it. And so we all had to sign in each time just to prove how many people were coming. And it, it, it was it was great. Um um, Alicia. Alicia was she was there every single day. I, th- I think that was kind of her baby project. Like yeah. she was she's working to to build to get access to this location um, as as a normal effort to like maybe it'll only be who knows what will happen in the future. But maybe it'll be open a couple days a week or something. But you know it it was this, a fantastic birding site. Oh yeah, tons and tons of birds. I, I think the the list for the location must have grown a ton. Oh totally dur- during during the trip because people were out there all day every day because everyone wanted to see the fork tail which. Yeah was kind of sporadically, it's hanging out with scissor tails. So it's kind of, it would be inside the wetlands and it would kind of go into the neighborhood right next to it and then back and forth and back and forth. But it was just kind of generally there. And so people were there all day. But there was a vermilion there. There were scissor tail flycatchers. I mean, a lot of cormorants and things in the water and ducks. Oh yeah, it's ringneck ducks and just, and there's white pelicans. Lots of cool stuff. It's, it's, It's a really cool location just in general. And it was it's really cool if they can continue to have some access to it because it's it's north. It's just just north of Harlingen. It's, so it's really close to the conference center. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's in, in general, I think it's a really great it's a really great spot and it's a really great potential location to get opened as a full time or partial full time. Well, and I think it's just really cool to show like the effect that birding can have on a, a yeah. place. You know, it showed them that there's value in the site, mm-hmm. and then they they made the effort. They met the challenge. Yeah, they, they, cool. they opened it at least during the festival. Yeah, hopefully it'll be more. But yeah. So that night we did parrots. I, again, the parrot van trip. It was a little harder <laughs> than the the couple nights before that we had done it. It took us an hour to find the parakeets. It was a real like nail biter, and then we ended up finding like eight. Yeah, not not very many that night, but but, but the but the parrots were good. Yeah, the parrots were the good. parrots were good. Drove right up to them. Great great looks of the parrots. Yeah, and I think people were saying that it might have been slow on the parakeets because there was a front coming in, yeah. which the next day was vastly different from the day mm. before. Very different, but not bad. Just very different. Yeah, so the day before <laughs> on day three or whatever, it was like, what, 80, 90 degrees? 90 something. Hot. Yeah. And then the next day, day four, was like the sky. 50. Well, overnight, the sky opened up and dumped. Yeah. The the cold front came in at midnight-ish, maybe 1 o'clock in the morning. Dropped the temperature by like 20 degrees, 30 degrees. Oh, yeah, at least. And then that wind kept kicking all day long. So the whole day, we went went to Estero, we went to San Benito Wetlands, we went to... uh, We went to... Couple, couple random fields that were like, oh, there's some shorebirds here, there's some blackbirds over here, just kind of... Trying to get one or two species here and there. Yeah, just... We usually hit Estero, and then we get, um, we have, like, two main spots. We have Estero and then the island. And yeah. then And then there's secret spots in between that you try to, like, eke out a handful more species to to bolster your two big lists for Estero and the island. And so we were trying to e- eke some stuff out, but, man, that wind. It was, it was chilly. Yeah, definitely. Um, the big news for that day, well, it had been seen a couple days before that, was at South Padre Island uh, Nature Center. There was a smooth build Ani yes. that had been seen with a groove build Ani, but Texas State it, first. But it hadn't been identified as a smooth build Ani until like a day or two after. I, I think it was Friday is when they finally. Ident- yeah, it was first seen Wednesday, and then Friday it was like you know what, this is a smooth build Ani. 
And it was, yeah, Texas State first. Yeah. the I think Wednesday people got recordings of it. Um, and then, But they were like, well, I don't know. They're not really good. Like, there, there, was, there was a lot of discussion. But it was like, we're pretty sure this is something weird. Thursday, some more people went out and got some more photos. Um, and the photos were kind of like, eh, maybe. And then Friday, people were like, no, that's it. That's it. It's a smooth build and a groove build. They're associating. They're 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 um, pre, they're preening each oh, other. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, the whole the whole shebang. So two really good birds. Um, it's really late in the year for a groove build, Lonnie. They're usually here, usually there, um, breeding and then through the summer and yeah. then they leave and they leave fairly early in the fall. And then smooth build, Lonnie. It's a Texas State first. So yeah. never never there. You yeah, never and, see his groove build on, and so. groove builds. I mean, they're ha- they do periodically like hang out for a while. Like the, yeah, there's usually fall sightings of oh, them. Like yeah, one it's, or two. It's not completely unheard of, but generally no. early fall is when they're out of there. Yeah, and then there's occasionally ones that are lazy and hang yeah. out. Take so, advantage of Texas for a little longer. So uh, we were very lucky that on our big day van, we ended up getting both of them. Both of them, yes. It was very I mean, exciting. Not, not. I mean, all of the big day vans that day can say that they did that because that, that's what happens. Well, but I don't not, care about not, the other ones. But not every year do you get to say, "Hey, I went to Texas and I saw a groove build and a smooth build on." I know, hanging out together, doing their thing. So they, I think every, everyone, everyone in our group got a whole, really good look at them. We got um, one person like the boardwalk that was it was being seen. They were being seen from was packed, yeah. and so it was like. Hannah and I walked up and we were like, okay, we can see them both. We got pretty good looks, binoculars. And then people in our group really wanted to look at it. So someone in the group set up a scope. And then everyone in our group like kind of like huddled around that one scope and they were looking through it. So they, they all got some great looks. I think there were some photos taken from, from our group. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. But there were some really good photos taken by like Clay got yeah. from uh, like Swarovski. A, oh, Swarovski. Yeah, yeah he, he got a really good um photo of them like right next to each other full frame i know hanging out so, that was oh, this guy great great, um, great light and everything yeah so our team ended up losing again with the <laughs> the the big day uh we got 121 species we, i think the we, winning team I was 148 we, we had the most fun though of for course. sure yeah as usual yeah we did stop and get tacos um because you can't you can't do a big day without tacos it's kind of, of things a, a requirement um of some sort, and then we 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 saw lots of birds. We saw 100, 121 species of birds, yeah, including black scoter, which was interesting. Yeah, which was a good bird. Yeah, that was, that's a really good bird. And a smooth billed ani. And a smooth billed ani. I mean, who who sees a smooth billed ani and a black scoter in the same day? Come <laughs> right. On. That's that's not a thing. Um, and then that evening we did something completely different than we've ever done before. Yes. And it was very exciting. Um, so Holly from the Valley Nature Center who invited us to come down and do spring chirp, she invited us to come out and do, um, the event that they have on Saturday during the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival, which is unassociated. Unassociated. It's a whole different thing. It's called Brew in the Woods and it's it's a fundraiser. It's their biggest fundraiser for the year. And it was a blast. Oh yeah. They have beer stations set up and food stations and music and in the park and it, it's there was like there was silent auction there was all, all all sorts of really fun fun stuff going on and it's the park at night yeah so there everyone, were hundreds all, of people there oh yeah hundreds of people there everyone's all dressed up fancy and i mean i was wearing like my normal clothes a bird shirt and I, some khakis I had, I had my oh butt. no you had shorts on no shorts on yeah it was the valley. I had shorts on. Yeah. Um, but I, I had my button-up bird shirt. One, one of them. My, yeah. My pelican shirt, I think. Yeah. But it was very fun. I really enjoyed going to that. I'm glad Holly had us go. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So um, 
We did have to get up early the next day. Though. Of course. Yeah. So, no sleep, like usual. Yeah. Um, went to SPI. Um, bir- birding for new birders. Um, went out there. Had some really good looks at shorebirds. Yes. Um, we went out to the mudflats. Um, hung out with the, with all the shorebirds on the mudflats. Got some really good looks at um, semi-palmated plovers, black-bellied plovers, marbled godwit, ready turnstone, sanderlings, gritty yellow legs. Tons and tons of shorebirds just there. And so we got to get people on them, like tell them what, what to kind of look for in these sorts of birds. and Because um, shorebirds can be really frustrating. They're so frustrating for me. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're difficult. They're difficult to do, but you just kind of, kind of have to work through a dichotomous key each time. Yeah. Every time you see one, okay, what color are its legs? What color is the bill? How big is it? Like, just kind of work through Where's sy- the systematically. Yeah. How many collars? Yeah. Just slow, slowly work through just a, just kind of birding basics. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's, that's the hardest part at, in my, in my opinion, the way I feel about birding with looking at shorebirds is it's going back all the way to birding basics and acting like you've never seen a bird before. What are you looking at? What color is its legs? Yeah. Start there. What color What color is its bill? How big is its bill? And just kind of wor- working your way through, okay, is this a sandpiper or a plover? And then once you've figured out one or the other, now you work, okay, well, n- you know this is a plover. So then you start working through, like, is it a big plover or is it a little plover? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I I I like I like doing that. I think I think that's a lot of fun to try to slowly work through to figure figure things out. Well, and I felt like we had a really good day too at the the SPI Nature Center. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get the Anis, but we did end up getting a white throated sparrow, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Is that yeah. a season? Oh yeah. Um, but you know, just great looks at a lot of those shorebirds, some of the the herons and things. Yeah, you know, and like this the, is this is the day that that um, one of the guys was. Uh, was colorblind and a new birder, so it was, it was really working hard, really, really testing my ability to adapt of how how can we talk about these birds without talking about the colors that we're seeing on these yeah. birds, which was which was interesting. It's, it was it was it was, it was it was a good challenge. It was a great it was a great challenge. I liked it. it so was a lot of work. So that was kind of the end of our our time at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival for mm-hmm. this year. I really like I said I really enjoyed doing these um, new birder trips. It gave us a us an opportunity to talk about a lot of different things other than just birds too. I mean, people had a ton of questions about optics, about gear, you know, Mm -hmm. they're asking me about the scope, about my backpack, um, that I used to carry the scope. They just had general birding questions. Like I felt like it was a really supportive environment to be able to, you know, just ask questions about birding that people probably wouldn't feel comfortable asking in other well, places. And, and some people said that they, they're like, well, I, sh- I should probably already know this, but I don't want to ask. And it's like, no, just ask. ask yeah. Us. Ask us anything. We don't care. It's zero, if, if anything, judge negative judgment. Like no, no judgment <laughs> whatsoever. Like this, this is, this is what this is about. And it's not, and it's. I don't feel like it needs to be a new bird walk to be able to ask those questions. No, like, no. I feel like anybody should be able to ask any of those questions anytime they want because if you don't know, you don't know. No, and I just feel like asking we, the questions can help you. Help we you know. Helped create that environment though, where people felt comfortable asking that. Well, good. I mean, I'm, I think I, I felt like that too. I, I felt like people were asking that, so I, I, I felt like it was all in all successful. And I, I would like, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy doing, doing more. Oh, birder, totally. Birding for new birders. Yeah, me too. So our flight out of the Rio Grande Valley, the Monday after the festival, mm-hmm. our flight wasn't until like six. We, 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 had, we like, had two scheduled options. It. <laughs> we had two options. Six in the morning or six at night. Yeah. Those were the two only two flights that we could take. We were going like six at night. And we were like, yeah, let's let's not do six in the morning. So we got up and kind of decided, you know, where should we go birding? And then it was like, let's 
bird around the Brownsville area. We haven't really spent that much time down there. And we were like, let's try to dedicate like today to seeing what's out there. Yeah. We, we lived down there for two years and we lived up in um, Hidalgo County. So we lived up in the upper mid upper Valley. Yeah. And we never went down to Cameron County. We very rarely went down there. And now we go only, almost only to Cameron County because yeah. we go to, for the festival, which is in Cameron County. So it's like, let's, let's do some exploring. Let's figure some more stuff out so we can be more prepared for if we were to get invited back next year. So yeah. let's, let's, let's focus on that. Let's, <laughs> let's do, let's do a micro mini big day. Well, and so last year, one of the trips that we led was out to Palmito Hill mm-hmm. and which is on that, the Boca Chica highway. And so I really wanted to go check that out again because it was so good last yeah, year. It was. And so this year we tried to go out there, got stopped right at like the entrance to that Boca Chica Boulevard mm-hmm. um, by an officer who had it closed down because of SpaceX. They were so, doing a launch or something? Like the next day. So yeah. that was kind of a bummer because I really, we, he was like, what do you want down here? And we were like, we're going to go birding. And he was like, yeah, that's not one of the approved activities. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you don't have specific reason to be here for SpaceX, then you need to leave. So that so. was kind of frustrating. Um, so then we decided, you know, to move on to our next spot, which is old Port Isabel Road, which is such an interesting road because like it goes out to Highway 100 from, I don't know what the highway is, but it, it kind of like cross sects between Brownsville and Highway 100. Yeah. And you can't drive it because it's too muddy. Oh, we, we got so close though. Like I felt like we drove further than we've ever driven before. <laughs> we, we drove so far, man. Yeah. But it was, I, we, we went over a mile this time. Yeah. It, it, it was great. So uh, be, our, before the road got too bad and it was like, okay, let's turn around. But our goal of going there was to look for a Cass and Sparrow. Yes, which we, that was, we. It was a lifer. It was a lifer. We, we'd never seen a Cass and Sparrow. We've never, we've never searched specifically for it. We don't normally go Sparrow searching anyways. <laughs> um, it's kind too of, frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. But um, we went. Cast and Sparrow. Lots, yeah. lots of people reporting Cast and Sparrow. So we we're like, let's let's hit this one on our way to. We we're like, there's not many lifers down here anymore. It was, it was supposed to be on the way back from um, Palmio Hill, but yeah, mm, didn't, couldn't do Palmio Hill. So we we hit Old Port Isabel. We got out of the car or got out of the van. We kind of wandered around a little bit, and then another group that was there was like, oh yeah, we just had Cast and Sparrow just right down the road back there. So it was like, oh okay. So we walk all the way back there, and we get it. Yeah, and hopped up on the fence, nice and nice and great looks at it. Not good photos because the backdrop was just like white clouds, <laughs> but it was, it was really good looks. Um, and like Eric said, then we went on to drive as much of old Port Isabel Road as, as we could. As much as we could. And at that point, like we kind of like it was just, a Thelma and Louise, like, <laughs> we're gonna do it. We, we stopped because there were just these huge puddles, ponds in the middle of the road. Well, but, the road became non-existent at that yeah, point. But it was just, I don't know, there's just something so wonderful about like standing at the edge of <laughs> the section that we drove to and just like standing and looking at Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Um, from there we went to the convention center and mud flats to work on our shortbirds a little bit and, uh, you know, enjoyed that. And then we went to go look for the Onis again to try to get a good picture of the Onis and people were seeing them still from the convention center I'm sorry, people were still seeing them from the SPI Nature Center, mm-hmm. uh, from the the boardwalk, and we were too cheap to go pay to go on the boardwalk, and it's also a very long walk around that you have to do, and so we kind of stood at the, um, where the power substation is, yeah. and looked back towards it, and 
like weren't seeing it. People there were standing there saying like, oh, in the pay section, um, like on the boardwalk, if you go over there, you can see it. I, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't opposed at all to paying. No, like, no, I, no, I, 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 was, I was completely, either. I was like, I want to support that. I, I, I am cheap, but like, I'm, I'm not opposed to paying, paying at all. Cause that's, that's, that's how they stay in business yeah. is, is entry fees being, being so that they can do their restoration and keep all that stuff going. So it was just the walk. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was opposed to is I couldn't pay to go through that gate right there. If I could have paid to go through that gate, I would have paid to go through that gate yeah. right there. But we had to pay and then walk all the way it's around like the other way. It's like, oh, I don't want to walk all the way around. I don't, we don't have time for that. It's hot. Let's... So it was like, we, we stood for like five minutes. We're like, okay, that's good. But then I was like, you know what? Let's go back over to the convention center and look from the parking lot back at the same habitat, see what we can see. And so we get over there and boom, both of them right there. Yeah, right there. So, really easy to see. So pe- people were seeing it from both sides, both from the, the boardwalk that you have to kind of walk all the way around to get to. And sometimes the birds would go onto the other side of the bushes and you'd be able to see it from the parking lot outside outside of the whole thing. Yeah. So we got some really good looks at it. I still have not uh, gone through my photos and uploaded them yet, but... Uh, it is on your docket. It, it is on do. my list of things to do because I, I also have things to add from uh, Columbia still, from the second half of my Columbia photos. So, so. from there, um, I was pushing Eric to go to Laguna Atascosa because we had been there and I really wanted to see a Roadrunner. Yes. And so we went to Laguna Atascosa. Yeah. Roadrunner. Road right runner. there. Boom, boom, boom. Boom. Everywhere. Yeah. Roadrunner's everywhere. So that was a really good stop. I'm glad we, we went there. Yeah. And then I don't want to talk about it, but... I ran over a tarantula. It was an accident. It was. I he was, didn't see it. I didn't see it. I I took. I was. I was looking for birds and took my eyes off the direct road in front of us and. Which is and such am, a bummer because I we like so never sad. see tarantulas. I can't believe. I I just I I can't even believe it. Like how the wheel. Like how did I? It was, uh, it's very. It's very upsetting. It's okay. I'm. I'm. I'm it very upset. It was an accident. Because of it. Everybody knows. Yeah. I'm very. I'm very upset. Because, I'm people. People smush them all the time, but I don't want to. It's. There's it's so much. So much insect. So much yeah. insect. So much spider. So much. <laughs> so much bug that it's like. Ugh, such a waste. It's just living his life, just trying to cross the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So. Stop by San Benito Wetlands once again. Yes. No forktail. No forktail. That we saw. So we never, we did not get a forktail this whole trip. Oh, wow. Everyone else did. We didn't. <laughs> we got the social. And we the, got the social. The smooth and the build. Smooth build and, and the black throated blue. So. Yeah. It's all good. Well, so from there, we went to the Harlingen Airport and headed home. Yeah. Got got on the plane. Said goodbye to Harlingen for that time yeah. and see you later. See you, see you next time, Harlingen. See you next time, Rio Grande Valley. Yeah. Yeah, so... It was a good time. I'm glad that, you know, we got to go back. And it was fun to meet so many listeners, too. Oh, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I, I was... I'm, I'm very I'm very happy to meet listeners in person, and I'm very I think Eric's happy. always astounded when somebody recognizes us. Yeah, it's just, like, what? <laughs> why? Why would you recognize us? Anyways, great time. Can't, I can't wait to go back. Of I, course. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always saying that. I'm always saying that about every single place we go, but it's especially true for the Rear End Valley. Yeah. So... Thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or anywhere else that you listen to us. If you would like to connect with us on the socials, you can follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram or anywhere else where we're on social media. Um, Hannah and Eric Go Birding or Go Birding Podcast or We Go Birding. Hannah, We Go Birding. All of those things, they'll, they'll get to us. Twitter's at We Go Birding. Um, 
Or you can email us at hannahandairgobirding at gmail.com. Um, our website is www.gobirdingpodcast.com. You can tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends. Thank you.